Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. The New York Knicks have unofficially acquired Jalen Brunson. They have a bounty of young talent. The future seems pretty bright, but where is all headed? I'm joined by John Schmelk to answer that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, and Locked On Knicks is partnering with Arcade1Up to give away three free NBA Jam Jack machines. That's right, three of them. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. Enter to win on arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on for your chance to win. And we are now available on all platforms, we being locked on Knicks. You can check us out on the YouTube. That's right, they call it the YouTube, uh, where you can see my smiling face. Today you can see John Schmelk's smiling face. On a normal day, you can see Alex Wolf's. Smiling face, you can comment, you can subscribe, you can like. You can even leave You can leave some mean comments. I know last time we were asking for nice comments. It really doesn't make a difference to me. As long as you comment, as long as you interact, I don't care. I get paid the same. Anyways, who am I? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, and uh, it's the offseason, so I'm all in on, you guessed it, the New York Knicks. And I'm about to be joined by John Schmelk. John is the former host of WFAN's The Bank Shot Podcast. For my money, uh, one of the best Knicks podcasts out there. I was sure to listen every week, and I missed getting John's take every week. So I said, hey, buddy, want to come on and talk some hoops? And boy, did he deliver an hour of conversation. We dropped 30 minutes yesterday. We're dropping 30 minutes right now on the future of the New York Knicks with John Schmelk. Let's get into it on Locked on Knicks. I wanted to get into the front office because they have done, and I thought um, on the low post, uh, ESPN's Kevin Pelton, he gave a we everyone always rips the national media when they're too harsh on the Knicks or or try to turn the Knicks into a laughing stock for no reason. I, I want to give a, a shout out to someone covering them objectively because I, I thought he made a really good point where he said you can kind of you can disagree with the Knicks overall strategy the last couple of years. You could certainly argue, and and I think most would that last offseason was far from perfect, but his his case was basically the Knicks have been winning on the margin since this front office came in, adding extra mm-hmm. picks. To your point, striking, if not gold, very close to gold, silver, bronze um, in the 20s over and over again. Emmanuel, quickly, to your point, someone who looks like, at the very least, a very solid starter. Quentin Grimes, I think he's going to be in the league 14, 15 years. Maybe he's played 37 games, so maybe that's too early to say that. But that's my gut instinct on him. Um, Even guys like Jericho Sims and Deuce McBride, I think, could be very nice bench players for a long time. Obi Toppin, a pick that was derided, certainly by me, for a long time, I think. Looking better and better. By the end of last season, um, you, we can go on and on and on with that. But they've made, I would say they've made more good moves than bad moves for sure. I personally didn't love the handling of this draft. And I've tried to juggle in my own mind is that the human nature of you spend two months prepping on the draft and then your team doesn't take a player and you're a little bit like, what what the hell? <laughs> like that <laughs> that sucks uh, just from a content perspective. And from it just from, a, I'm sure, John, you felt the same way to some extent from a fan perspective. But where are you at? on this front office overall, because obviously there is a grander plan here 
and there is patience, but there is always only so much patience in New York, seemingly. Look, I wasn't surprised. Once all those guys you mentioned earlier were off the board and, you know, a guy like Shaden Sharp didn't drop, I wouldn't – I mean, I've heard and read in many places that they would they really thought about getting out of the draft. And I know people are like, oh, these picks with these protections, they don't have any value. It's, it's, it's nonsense and it's stupid because they do have value because odds are that both the, the Wizards and the Pistons picks are going to eventually um, convey in the teens somewhere. Um, as long as Bradley Beal is in Washington and they're doing all they can to try to get the eighth seed. Why? I don't know, but that seems to be what their ultimate goal is. So good for them. Go get them, Washington. Uh, and, and hopefully the Knicks pick comes over this year from uh, from the Wizards. But, you know, I thought they got good value for the pick. You know, you could talk about trading all those twos to get off Kemba Walker's contract. And look, last season, I didn't love last season, off season. I thought it was fine. I hated last offseason until we found out about all the team option years at the end of the I, contract. I remember the podcast you and I did, which was like 45 minutes of just like the the world is ending, which is... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and look, as it turned out, the contract still not didn't end up being good. They end yeah. up, but to the front office credit, they ended up being a disaster? No, because they didn't have to move one super valuable asset or first-round pick or a good player to move off of any of those contracts. The, cost them six second round picks to get off of Noel, Burks, and Kemba Walker. And one of those second round picks is basically a fake second round pick, that one that they got from Miami, right? So it was really five second round picks. Is that ideal? Do you want to have to do that? Absolutely not. Were they ever going to make all those second round picks? Absolutely not. You acquire all those second round picks, to Kevin Pelton's point, in those little trades of winning on the margins so you can fix your prior mistake. And I think the Knicks front office was in a tough spot last offseason, right? You have the coach screaming at the front office, yo, I got the fourth seed. I got to get these guys back, <laughs> right? And you got fans that, you know, you're throwing the guard and they're thrilled that they got the home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And it takes, and, and look, you can blame him for this if you want. It would have taken a lot of cojones to go in there and say, you know what, we just had the best season the franchises had, depending on what you thought of that one Carmelo year in like 20 years and just break up the team without even trying to run it back and just like, you know, blowing it up. That would have taken a lot of cojones to do something like that. Should Leon Rose in the end have done it? Yes. Can I blame him for not doing it? Not really. I mean, that again, that would have been a really gutsy, gutsy, gutsy move. So I ding him for last offseason. They obviously made mistakes, and it cost them assets to, to to fix them, but they weren't bad assets, and that's why I think you know, having Brock Auer there structuring these contracts in the proper way so that you don't fall into these albatross contracts. And I think even Randall, right? You know, if they had signed Randall at some 30-something million-dollar-year contract, and he played like he did last year, that looks a lot different than the contract they signed them to and whether or not it's movable. So, you know, I feel like this front office, and I don't quite understand, Gavin, now we kind of look ahead – why a lot of Nick fans and national media people who really don't pay attention, like, oh, you know, Knicks are kind of just, you know, treading water. They're they're all in for now with the Brunson sign. You know, they're they're just trying to win. Like, how, are you guys not paying attention? Like, this front office is literally doing exactly what they've done since they've come here. They've tried to make improvements in the short term on the margins to make the team more competitive in the present, while at the same time stockpiling future assets for the future and maintaining contracts on the roster that are flexible and can be moved. 
It was simply a continuation of that strategy this offseason. You bring in Brunson so the team can hopefully make it back into the playoffs or at least be a better team. You limit Randall a little bit. The players become more valuable. The team looks more attractive to a star. You trade out of that first-round pick because like we talked about, we haven't talked about Cam Reddish yet. I mean, there are going to be guys that people want to play that aren't going to have minutes. Do you really think A.J. Griffin was getting on the floor this year? <laughs> he wasn't getting on the floor. Like, there's just no time. There was no minutes. So, for me, I got it. And, look, I, I, I see what they're doing. They're trying to position themselves the best way possible to get those type of difference-making stars down the road that you need to win in the NBA. And I think what they did this offseason, in the end, makes it more, not less likely, that they're going to eventually get that star. Even the Mitchell Robinson contract, right? You know, they're already over the cap when they signed him. So they just went over the cap to sign Robinson to his deal. So maybe that deal gets thrown into a, a, a future trade for a star. So not, not, not a big deal. So that's why I think I feel pretty good about it. I think the front office, contrary to what some of the public opinion is, is still being very patient. I think their moves on draft night were long plays, not short plays to sign Brunson. You know, to me, I, it's almost two separate moves to me, right? Like the trading out of the 13th pick was uh, trading out of the um, 12th, 11th. What was it? Gavin, help me out. I have on like the, the 11th pick. 11th yeah. pick. Thank you. Trading out of the 11th pick was a completely different trade than the Kemba trade, right? I mean, theoretically, you could have traded those twos in the Kemba Walker trade and gotten out of that contract with, you know, trading the Mavs pick instead of trading what the 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 Nuggets pick that they ended up moving in that trade, right? Could have been the same deal, but they just traded a different pick. So to me, trading out of 11 was a long play. Clearing the cast base for Brunson was the short-term play to get the team better and make it more attractive. And those are the two paths that they're trying to work in parallel to make the team better in the short term, but set themselves up in the best way possible to get those difference-making stars down the road, whether it's in the draft, like I talked about before, with the trade-up next year and a, a good draft year, or whenever that infamous double draft is eventually going to come, who knows. And then eventually, hopefully, you know, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, whomever it is, wants out, the Knicks will have enough assets to complete a trade like that. All right, guys, we'll be back with John in just a sec to tell you why you should be more optimistic about the Knicks' future than you might think. But first, I got to say one big word. Boom shakalaka. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with, wait for it, a Shack Edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. And one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. There are no fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. All you have to do is compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's ArcadeOneUp.com for an estimated early September ship date. They've got even more classics like Golden Team, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. So check this out. They're giving away an NBA, Shack, uh, NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener. Hopefully Locked On listener. Locked On Knicks listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com. So that's Locked On. It's arcade the number one up.com. So that's Locked On. You've got till July 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. There's only one question remaining. Who are you going to play with? Yeah, and I think if if you were going to look at 
the the criticism, I guess, for this pathway for the Knicks. It's not even a criticism for the pathway. Maybe it's more of a and maybe it's not even a critique of the front office, but more of just an honest look at where they are. Like I we, we did this um a couple episodes back, but you could go through every team in the NBA and you could just say objectively, like, who are the Knicks better positioned than? And and there look, there would be pushback on a lot of these, but you you could throw out, I don't know, the the Kings, the Lakers, the Spurs. The Jazz, maybe, but I don't even know after that Gobert trade. I, I kind of like where the Jazz are sitting. The Magic, the Pit. I, I don't know about the Pistons. Like, uh, Cade plus Ivy is, is pretty I enticing. like the Pistons. I think and, the Pistons are in a great spot. Yeah, and I think that's the the one thing that scares me as a Knicks fan and as someone who is very incentivized for this team to to do well, both, both from, a, from a selfish, uh, I cover them perspective and from a fan perspective. It's that the talent around the NBA is so good, and you go team by team, and – there are just so many teams like operating on either end of the spectrum with the thunder with a million picks are all these teams going all in. And if your long-term goal is winning an NBA championship, like how many teams can you say the Knicks are closer to than that? And, and at least in my mind, and maybe this isn't true. There's still that small bit of New York exceptionalism where like, if they get that one star, it'll all flip and the next guy will come and they, and they are, and you have that confidence that once they get that one star, I have a lot of faith in this front office to surround them the right way because to the point of everything we've talked about the last 40 minutes, they've kind of already done that. And even if they have to give away a couple of guys like in a star deal, like whether it's one of Quickly and Toppin or it's a Jericho Sims or it's a Mitchell Robinson, you're still left with an RJ Barrett, with a Quentin Grimes, um, with one of those two between OB and IQ. You have those supplementary pieces and they are building up a war chest right now of players and picks so that when they make that all-in move, and and to quote uh, Zach Lowe again, you most teams you only get one of those. There's still enough there that they can be compelling around that guy. And and whether that bet is on again, they find a way to trade up for a Scoot Henderson or one of the Thompson brothers this year, or that bet is I don't know. In in two years, you can look at that 2025 free agency class, and there's guy after guy after guy. I mean, there's there's Ben Simmons, there's Drew Holiday, there's Donovan Mitchell with a player option, there's Jason Tatum with a player option, Brandon Ingram's a free agent, Jamal Murray's a free agent on the older end, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I think if you're the Knicks, and, and this is something I know um, our, our mutual friend Jeremy Cohen of the Knicks Film School podcast keeps referencing, you, you get yourself in the best position by that summer. You hope maybe in this 2023 draft, you find that young guy, or you hope someone like RJ Barrett or Emmanuel quickly hits a level that you previously couldn't imagine. And then you have the assets to have that guy in a rookie contract, sign someone else, and then go all in on a trade for a third guy. Or maybe you went in all in on a trade a little earlier for the draft prospect, whatever the permutation is, you want to win that asset battle. I think my concern with them is there are so many teams in a similar boat that if like that star trade is going to be made, are they going to be able to outbid in Oklahoma City? When Oklahoma City is a little further along and they're incentivized to do that, are they going to be able to outbid in Detroit if they say, hey, we're willing to deal Jaden Ivey to get this guy and a bunch of picks? It, it just it, it, The NBA right now is in, in a spot where all these teams, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them are so well managed. I just wonder where the Knicks are in that pecking order. And it, and it sounds weird because that sounds like a one big critique of the Knicks. I'm with you. I think every single move you can't necessarily criticize. But when I I kind of like widen the scope a little bit, I'm like, all right, where is this all headed? And and it, it there's always a luck component, but how much luck are they relying on? Look, I'll take this in a couple of different ways. You're right. You get one shot. And if you try to rush that shot, see the, in my opinion, at least, the Hawks and the Timberwolves, right? Big time, yeah. You, you squander your chance with Trey Young, with a – Carl Anthony Towns, you know, you know, all those guys. So I think 
I'm a little bit more patient here because I lived through all of the 2000 to 2020 when a lot of younger Nick fans didn't. And I see what happens when you try to speed up the process. And I, I know I'm kind of quoting Steve Mills here. It'll make people throw up all over the place, but you can't, you can't try to do this thing too fast because if you do, it's not going to work. I mean, you have to be patient. And a lot of it to your point is luck. You know, the Knicks didn't get the first or second pick in the draft the year they drafted RJ Barrett. They got the third pick sucked. <laughs> it sucked, but that's what happened. Like, how big, how much of a difference probably the Knicks be right now if they had Zion or they had John Moran? It's We'd be having completely yeah. different, completely different conversations about what's next. And, you know, they'd be one piece away, not two pieces away, right? We have we'd be having completely different conversations. That's luck, you know, and you can't force these moves if they're not there. So you have to be patient. You have to, and, and look, I know some people will critique the Knicks that, oh, well, now they're in no man's land. They're going to win 38 or 39 games. Look, if you're winning 38 or 39 games, but you're doing it with a bunch of 24, 25-year-olds and guys on contracts that are movable, your record might be no man's land, but your team is in no man's land because you have room for internal improvement. You have stockpile future assets to make more moves, and guys are tradable. So you're not, you might be in no man's land, but you're not stuck there. And that's why I was so happy they traded a guy like Burks. But you know, this year, and it's again, it's Rose, it's Burks, it's Randall, and you're playing vets, and you win you're the 12th in the draft again. That's no man's land. But if you're playing the young guys and you're there organically, then to me, that's just your young guys playing well. And I think that I think that's a good thing. And I don't know what the other solution is. You know, a lot of fans are team tank. And, you know, so was I. The year to tank was two years ago. You know, but Julius Randle decided to play like Charles Barkley and Derrick Rose looked like he was 24 years old for half a year and then they got the four seed. That was the year to tank. You know, they couldn't tank last year unless they literally forced healthy young players to sit out. You know, I got a couple of guys on Twitter coming on and saying, oh, yeah, bench the vets last year. You get like the fifth pick in the draft and you, know, you get Ivy, you don't have to trade up. In what world were the Knicks getting the fifth pick in the draft last year? They, they would never finish it. with a few in Indiana's 25 wins or Detroit's 23 or Houston's 20 or Oklahoma City's 24 or Orlando's 22 or Portland's 27. You could have benched Randall and Burks the whole year. They were still finishing with more wins than all of those teams. The young guys on the team right now are just too good. So tanking is not really an option here at this point. So this is the only possible path forward unless, and by the way, this is never going to happen, no front office in their third year is going to say, all right, let's trade away quickly, Barrett, Toppin, get a bunch of draft picks, and we'll restart our rebuild now and try to tank for three years. You think any of those guys are going to have jobs in, in two seasons if they did that? No way. So I don't see another realistic option moving forward other than what the Knicks are doing. And you hope that these other teams that have all these assets, to your point, are not in markets that stars want to go to. Because event, look, you don't think the Nets would have had Durant out of here already if Durant didn't have specific teams he wanted to go to and didn't want to go to. That stuff matters. So the the New York aspect of this matters. If it wasn't New York, yeah, you would probably have to go and trade all these guys for draft picks like the Thunder did and and really do it in a small market way. But that's not what the Knicks are, and that's not what this front office is going to do in their you know third season, third full season, fourth off season, right? And and figuring out from there. So 
I don't see what the other option is other than what they're doing that's realistic because at this point you can't tank. The young guys are too, unless you again unless you're sitting down like RJ and quickly like they did shade down in Oklahoma City, but you're not doing that when you're selling out the garden every night. Like it's it's just not a feasible thing for this front office to do at this point. And, and to the to your point to the health the overall organizational health of this team, Mitchell Robinson this weekend we we neglected to mention this first Knicks player drafted in 30 seasons um, to take a non-qualifying offer extension with the team. Breaking the Charlie Ward curse, not breaking the Charlie Ward curse, I, I don't care that much. That's pretty amazing. R.J. Barrett uh, presumably will will be the official breaking of that curse uh, later this offseason or, or sometime early next season. This team, in how they're building, it, it's the healthiest way they've done things this millennia, which is a very big deal. And, and to your point, you can debate the ceiling and you can accept that luck is an element in that you could have the bet. You could have your Sam Presti's, your Masai Ujiri's luck is still going to be an element. They like Masai Ujiri still needed Kawhi Leonard to fracture a relationship with what was seemingly the most stable organization. Like I would argue, not just in basketball, seemingly like in all sports in the San Antonio Spurs Um, with, with Presti. I mean, they had all the luck the first time around and it didn't work out for them because they picked, Russell Westbrook over James Harden um, at a point where it made a lot of sense to pick Russell Westbrook over James Harden. It, it's, it's hard to win. Only one team wins every year. And, and I think that's kind of the point of like Alex and I were talking about this earlier today. That's kind of the point of what Minnesota did with go bear. That's a team that's gotten out of the first round once in 30 plus years. They said, Hey, we, we just want to be good for four yeah. or five years. I, and, and look, they have, they have Anthony freaking Edwards, right? Like who you, you put out awesome. like a trade value column right now. That's the kind of guy you get an Anthony Edwards. You say, oh, it's realistic for us to have championship expectations. The Knicks do not have an Anthony Edwards. Right. If this tops out as they're a 50-plus win team for a couple of years and they have that New York market and they have a chance to, to make that all-in move, it's not the end of the world because we – like I am 27 years old. I haven't seen that in my, in my lifetime. Like, sure, in the 90s. I wasn't really aware at that point. In my lifetime as a fan – I haven't seen that. That would really mean something. And that type of enthusiasm and that type of momentum, you elevate yourself to that point, even if you are asset depleted once you get there. And even if you've already made that one all-in move, if you're in New York, there's a way. There, there's, there's a, You can figure out a means of adding another guy. It could be a case of extreme luck. It could be a fluky thing where a star gets hurt and takes a make-good deal. For one year, there are ways to elevate from that platform in New York that there just aren't in other places. And I think as I'm as I'm talking this out with you in real time, that might be what the Knicks are betting on. Hey, let's just get yeah. to that next step instead of falling back. Let's just keep climbing. We're at the toughest point. The hardest jump in a lot of ways is to go from that 36, 37, 38 win team to a consistently 55 win team. And then from there, we can figure it out. But we just got to get there first because this team, in a sustainable way, outside of that 12-13 season, which obviously was not sustainable, it was a whole bunch of 40-year-olds and, and, and mid-30s guys and Carmelo, who was like 32, this is the most sustainably they've built in forever. And I think because of that, you can have a little faith that this is all going to work out because they keep making good moves. All right, guys, one final time with John to get an interesting exercise. We're going to go through every single team in the NBA, and we'll tell you just how good the New York Knicks are going to be next year. Why you shouldn't be too worried if you want them to have a high pick in that 2023 draft. But first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find 
on the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, and they have updated NBA title odds. The Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns are co-favorites at 6-1. to one. I guess BetOnline thinks KD is going to the Suns. But if I'm looking for value, I am going to speed down that list and posit two teams. The Brooklyn Nets at 40 to 1. They keep Kevin Durant. I don't like it any more than you guys do. They're going to be in title contention. The New Orleans Pelicans at 40 to 1. They somehow get KD. They'll be in the mix. Or maybe Zion's just insane and averages 35 points per game. And uh, we have a new best player in the NBA. Who's to say? Regardless, betonline.net remains the best spot. For all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. Hey, Kevin, let me ask you this. I'm actually looking at the standings now because I thought you and Alex talked about teams that are in better shape than them, right? Yeah, sure. Next year, let's figure this out. What teams do we feel really confident are going to win fewer games in the next last next year? Okay. Yeah, in the Eastern Conference. We all think the Heat are winning more, Boston's winning more, Milwaukee's winning more, Philly's winning more, Toronto's winning more, the Bulls are winning more. The All right, I'll stop there for now. Yeah. I think the Hawks, yes. I'll put the Hawks over them with, with the Murray edition, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Cavs with um, Mobley in his second year and Sexton coming back, we think. I think the Cavs will probably win more games in the next next year, right? Yep, agree. I think the Hornets with, you know, health, LaMelo, I think they're probably going to win more next more games in the Knicks next year, right? I think that one that one's more 50-50 for me. Okay, I think. I, okay, I think we're getting into the close range now. I agree. Yeah. All right, so the teams you think that'll win fewer, we'll see what happens and what the Nets' return is for I Durant. Would, I think we got to kind of put them aside and say who knows what they're even going to yeah, look like. You know I, I would almost say it's doing. unlikely that the Nets win. I, mean, I, I, I kind of think they're going to keep Durant, and if they don't, I mean, what's their incentive to be really bad? They don't have their picks, so... I think Ben Simmons plus like, look, even if they do the deal with the Suns, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Kyrie Irving yep. or whatever they get back for Kyrie, it's a better team than the Knicks, even if it's not, even if we want to laugh at them. I agree. And I yeah. think the Hornets are probably, you know, about equal. The Cavs, I think, are, are, are toss up. I think the Wizards are probably around a toss up too, right? With, yeah. with, with Beal being healthy. I have a so, feeling they'll be better. But yeah, the Knicks yeah, will be better. We'll, we'll yeah. see. But I, I can see it going either way based on injury, right? Yeah. So the three, and by the way, this is, I'm already up to 11 teams in the Eastern Conference. So the three teams that we are pretty sure are going to be worse in the Knicks next year, right? Indiana, who I think is going to be terrible. They're going to be in full tank-tastic, try to lose as many games as you can mode. Mm-hmm. Orlando, who I think is going to be better, but I don't think they're there yet, yep. right? And then Detroit, who I think is probably approaching the Knicks. You know, that could be a toss-up too, to be totally honest with you. Like, we'll see. I think Detroit is a really nice young core. It depends how much of a jump. If Kate takes a big jump and is like an all-star, they could be just as good as the Knicks are next year. I wouldn't put that out of the question with the guys on that roster. So you're looking at anywhere from two to four teams in the East, maybe five, depending on what happens. But let's go to the West. Obviously, the Suns will be better. The Grizzlies will be better. The Warriors will be better. Dallas will be better, even losing Brunson with Luka. Denver's going to be better. Minnesota's going to be better. Now it gets interesting, okay? Yeah. Utah, I think we probably assume if Mitchell's there the whole year, I think that's probably a toss-up team, right? You agree with that? I I think they're going to be really bad. 
I think they're going to be really bad. I don't know. I mean, I think look, Mitchell could be insane next year, but that they're they're sort of like Wizards West to me, and the West is just so loaded. I almost think they're going to be kind of terrible. But maybe See, I think Ainge is doing a stealth tank. I think Donovan's going to have a minor injury right after the All Star game, yeah. and they're going to try to go zero and thirty five in their last thirty five games. Yeah, I think um, I think they end up having a top ten pick. Okay, fair. Pelicans, I think definitely better than the Knicks. I, I agree. Gonna, I, I think was they're really the interesting. Last year, but I think yeah. they're better than the Knicks too, especially if Zion's healthy at all. Obviously, the Clippers are going to be better than the Knicks. Yeah. I think the Spurs are going full tank job, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. So they're worse. So now we're up to like anywhere from four to six. Sure. The Lakers, I think we have to assume they'll be better if LeBron yeah. and AD can be healthy. And then we'll see if they can get Kyrie for Westbrook. Sacramento, you think toss up? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're they're going to have an insane offense, probably one of the worst defenses in NBA history. Yep. Portland with Lillard. They should be better than the Knicks, honestly. I agree. Simons, Grant, uh, Nurkic back. Yeah. And then the Thunder and Rockets are going to be terrible. So we're looking at four to five teams that we know for sure are going to probably be worse than the Knicks and another three to four that are toss-ups, right? Yeah. So the Knicks could easily be sitting there with the ninth pick next year with a decent chance to move up. Now, I do think there'll be a big tier, right? You're going to have those five or six awful teams, and then there's going to be like a 10-win jump to that next group, you know, that are going to be in like an, in the in the mid-30s type of area. So you have all those first-round picks. You don't think you can move up three or four spots to try to get one of those guys? I think that's really realistic where, you know, you play these young guys, you have a fun year. Even if you finish out of the plane, you finish with, you know, maybe you finish with the exact same wins as last year, right? You finish with 37 wins, but it's it's more fun of a team to watch because you're playing more young guys. You end up picking ninth instead of 11th. Maybe you move up in the lottery and you get lucky, or you can trade up because you have all these extra picks. So I don't think it's it's a terrible place to be as long as Tom Thibodeau doesn't decide to make this the Julius Randle show again and the Derrick Rose show again and drives fans absolutely nuts along the way. I really think they're in a decent spot, to be honest with you. John, you, you've, you functioned as a therapist for me this whole episode, so I'll, I'll end on on one final optimistic note. Can you just tell me one thing, like be like a player, a trend, a lineup that you're excited for to see next season? I'm, I know we've kind of talked about it in context a little bit. I'm really excited about Jalen Brunson. Like I think his ability to run a team and understanding what it means to run a winning team, going back to even his time at Villanova, where they basically ran an NBA pro-style system, and he was a point guard. He managed egos. He managed shots. Um, He's an old-school guy. I think a guy like RJ can learn from his footwork and craft around the basket, where RJ is more like a bull, while Brunson's more like a craftsman. If RJ can pick up on some of that stuff, I think that could help him become a much more efficient player immensely. I can't wait to see that. And I think having a guy that's able to be a pace setter, run the show, and just be a quality point guard will help everything look better. And look, we just went through all the teams, and I think we kind of did a good job hitting everybody. The record might not be better, but the talent's going to be better. The quality of play is going to be better. The team's going to be better because Brunson is here. And if we start the year, and this is the Randall show again, Tom Thibodeau is going to be out in his faster than anybody would believe. I believe that. And they will bring 
somebody else in, whether it's Johnny Bryan or somebody else, and they will not let Julius Randle be this team. And they will move his rear end out of here in a trade, and they'll move on. I Maybe I'm naive. Maybe, and Lord knows, people that listen to me doing my stuff, I'm not Mr. Captain Optimistic here. But the way the Knicks front office has operated, I think they've admitted that this was a mistake. And the way they went around things last offseason was a mistake. They just haven't been able to fix those all those mistakes yet in one offseason. But I think if they see this stuff continuing, they're not going to be afraid to fix those mistakes. And I think you have a chance to move up in the draft next year. And I just think Jalen Brunson is going to make a lot of things better. I think you're going to reduce RJ's usage, which I think will make him a better player. I think the team last year, frankly, the last two years, have asked RJ to do much more than he's prepared for. And I think the fact they've asked so much of him has made him a less efficient player than he would be if the game could come to him a little bit. Now, maybe RJ and his attitude and the way he's always played, he's not capable of not being that I want the ball and I want to be the leader and I want to be the go-to guy, and I hope he gets over that if that's the case. But I think Brunson will make it easier for him. I think Brunson, if he lets it, will make it easier for Randall. I just think that he's going to help the rest of the team here if Tom Thibodeau can figure out these rotations. And I think there is a huge magnifying glass on him this year. And a lot of it's going to be on him getting away from some of the stuff that got the team into trouble last year. I know a lot of fans are not confident he can do that. I'm not super confident either, but I'm going to at least at this point hope that he can, and we're going to see some different things. Um, Otherwise, I think we are going to see some serious changes in, in the roster with the rest of those vets and with the coach sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, I think the degree of difficulty for Jalen Brunson is going to be a lot harder than it was in Dallas. And there's going to be some growing pains in terms from a guy who is hyper, hyper efficient there. And as we outlined in this episode, playing a little bit more of a cramped style, I think he's going to make magic happen if he gets to play with an expense unit. I, I think that it could be like the most fun Knicks basketball we've had in a very long time. Well, I, I think he'll be more yeah. of a passer than a shooter too, Gavin. I think because of that crowdedness and the lack of space, I think he'll have to be more of a passer. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I, but I do think like you throw him out there with one of Rose and IQ and either Fournier or Grimes and Obi and um, Hartenstein. Like that's like that, that could be just, maybe they'll give up a lot of points, but that could be, very intriguing, a lot of fun. I think we're in for, and to your point, to get there, it might take Randall going, it might take Tibbs going, but I think at some point we're in for a stretch of basketball that might even be, at least from a cosmetic perspective, even more fun than that 2021 season. Um, it's going to be good. They might not win a ton of games, but I, I like you, have a lot of optimism because I just think there's a lot of talent there and a lot of guys with uh, both on and off the court, the right instincts who play the right way, who are who are really good. Um, well, but John, yeah, I'll add this yeah. too. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. No. And I said this, and I said this about the Giants too. So I'll say this about the Knicks. Please. I said this on a Giants podcast back in, boy, gosh, what was it like May before I went on my paternity leave? And fans killed me for it. But I want to say it again because I don't care. (laughs) They killed you for going on paternity leave? No, 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 not that. I don't care how many games the Giants win this year, right? I don't think it's relevant. I think they need to figure out the quarterback situation and figure out young players and figure out vets who's going to be back. I don't care how many games they win. You can even make the argument that they win fewer games, it's better. Because if the quarterback doesn't work out, you have a better chance of finding a quarterback, right? Yeah. So I do not care how many games the Giants win this year. I do not care how many games the Knicks win this year. I got to be honest. I don't care. 
you know, they're not going to be a team that challenges to win a playoff round. I mean, uh, if that happens, great. But anyone fan that's expecting that is out of their damn minds. You want to see them build up the value of the young assets. You want to see the young players play well. You want to see um, them figure out a way to either get off of Randall or rehabilitate Randall. It's about growth and progress here. And if it sets yourself up to get a star down the road, even better. And by the way, improving young players is, is, is going to do just that. So this is about continuing to build and continuing to get better. I know there's some media fans that, oh, it's like year three of this front office. Something's got to happen. No, guys, this is always like a five or six year process. Like this is not going to happen overnight unless you fall ass backwards into like the first pick in the draft in the lottery. And that doesn't happen to the Knicks because, well, they're the Knicks and we don't get good things. So you're going to have to be patient. And this year, you're not going to win 40 games probably. And that's okay. If you're in the mid thirties, but it's fun and the young guys all get better and they improve their value and you're in a good spot in the draft and a strong draft, that's fine. That's probably what it's going to be. Embrace it and enjoy the ride. Don't get so obsessed with the results, and that's where I'll leave it. John Schmelk, I got to say, man, last hour, a pleasure. I miss hearing you talk about the Knicks every week, but uh, thank you for for taking some time to do it on this podcast. Before I let you go, can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all of your great work on the Giants? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, find me on Twitter. You got my Twitter handle right out of death for people watching this on video. If you're on audio, um, at Schmelk, S-C-H-M-E-E-L-K. Uh, check it out. And then Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast. We have our daily show every day at noon. Uh, it's a grind. You guys know it over at Locked On Knicks doing a show every day. Uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, every afternoon we take calls live. And then, of course, we have the Giants Huddle Podcast, which is kind of our interview podcast two or three times a week. And we have a bunch of other offerings as well. We're going to come back with our draft season podcast where we kind of get ready for the draft and track college football once or twice a month through the season, then we'll pick up once or twice a week once the draft process starts. So make sure you guys go check all that out on the Giants mobile app. Again, Giants.com slash podcast, or just search for those shows. Big Blue Kickoff Live and Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platforms. All right, big shouts again, John, and, and thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, we will be back later in the week with some coverage of Knicks Summer League. But until then, I'm Gavin Shaw. I'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Peace out.